1: Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, wherever you are. Thanks for joining us on today's show, where you will learn about women's wellness, how to take charge of our health naturally. My first guest is Dr. Aviva Rom, MD. She is the mother of four grown children, a Yale-trained physician specializing in integrative medicine for women and children, a midwife, an herbalist, and an award-winning author. Aviva has spent nearly 30 years as a healthcare practitioner and advocate for health and environmental concerns of women and kids. She is on fire, and I can attest to this, about (laughs) creating a better world for all. And her newest book is entitled Hormone Intelligence, The Complete Guide to Calming Hormone Chaos and Restoring Your Body's Natural Blueprint for well-being. Aviva, thanks so much for joining me on the show. I'm grinning from ear to ear and I'm so excited to talk with you.
2: Lisa, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to talk with you too.
1: Yeah, this is a subject that, you know, A, as a woman and a woman who has been through perimenopause, been through menopause and is managing hormones, power surges and electricity galore. I have an interest in this subject, a deep one. And I have a daughter, so I'm also invested in her welfare and wellness.
3: I
2: love it. Yeah, I'm in the same hormonal. <laughs> um, cat- hormonal category? You. <laughs> just, yes, I have just um, officially been in menopause since last November. So six months in and it's a whole new part of life. You know, it's like when we go through puberty or when we become moms, I don't think people prepare us the same way as for what menopause means. But yeah. I'm here. I'm here with you in it, sister.
1: We're here together with you know with humor and lust and passion and power and hormones and hot flashes and and the yep. whole deal. But yep. before we jump into that, I wanna give our listeners a little bit more about your background because you have a most interesting career path starting mm-hmm. as a university student at age fifteen.
2: Yep. I was always a bit of a science geek and a word geek. So I was that spelling bee science fair kid and really wanted to be a physician, and also was living in a housing project in a tiny two-bedroom apartment that I was sharing with my mom and my brother. And I was commuting almost two hours a day to go to school. I gained like 40 pounds that year with stress. I had great grades. I was on a national champion debate team, and I knew something had to give. So I actually was like, mm, well, maybe I could just skip high school and go to college. And so I wrote a letter to Johns Hopkins University and asked me if they would just take me right into college, and so I could go right to medical school. <laughs> oh, my God. And, and this was back in 1980. And somebody actually, so like, no email or anything like that. Somebody actually I had to, you know, lick the envelope and put a stamp on it, put it in the mailbox, and somebody actually read it and wrote me back and said, well, we can't take you because you're too young, but there is a school called Simon's Rock of Bard College that does take young, gifted students, and I applied, and I got a scholarship, and I went. And then within three months of being there, I got exposed to natural medicine, which was not called natural medicine. There was no name for it at the time. It was just weird at the time. <laughs> uh, you know, healthy, healthy eating, organics, growing food, midwifery, home birth, herbal medicine, massage, acupuncture, meditation. And I left school and apprenticed myself to a midwife and started studying everything I could about herbal medicine. And fast forward, I spent 20 plus years practicing as a home birth midwife, became, you know, inarguably, it's easy to say, because it's true. So it, it always sounds like bragging, but probably the leading or one of the three leading women herbalists for Western herbal medicine in the world. And, realized I had to do something to bridge the gap because back in the day, natural medicine wasn't what it is. Home birth midwifery was very fringe, in fact, illegal where I practiced. And so when people did need to interface with the medical community, it was so polarized, right? You like you were either completely outside the box with people like me who had self-studied and had a little information to share, or you were completely in the medical model, which was so conservative at the time, like the idea of herbs or diet in not, in conventional medicine in
1: 1981 oh, it was didn't just, exist.
2: Yeah. And even well into the nineties, it didn't. And so I made the decision to go back because remember I had gone to college at 15 left at 16 so I had to go back. I had to complete my undergraduate, do my post-bac pre-med rec, pre-rex, and then take my MCATs. And I had gone to college so young that I, never, I had never even taken an SAT. So I, I'm probably one of the few people in the country who's gone to medical school without an SAT and went to med school with, by then, four kids who were tweens and teens. And wow. yeah, that's how it went. And so then I went to Yale. For my med school, I did my internship in internal medicine there, and then I did my residency in family medicine with obstetrics and a specialty in integrative um, women and children's health at Tufts, and now have just been bridging that pre-med world that I had with the now MD world. And it's it's an amazing journey. It's a great ride. And I wrote a bunch of books um, in the meanwhile. I have wrote some books before med school, some books after. I ran a national nonprofit for herbalists. Lots and lots of interesting things along the way. And now I have four phenomenally wonderful and just beautiful um, grown children and two grandchildren.
1: Wow. What an yeah. amazing journey you have had. And the world has thankfully caught up with, it has. you know, your, your passions and your theories and your practices.
2: You know, it's really interesting that you say that because in, on one hand, it really is phenomenal. I mean, it's been an amazing thing to be able to reach so many people. And now with a voice of very, you know, 37 years of experience doing this. On the other hand, there's so much noise out there. And especially, I would say, especially as a woman in menopause, I'm turning 55 this year you know, you can have an influencer, I'm doing air quotes here, influencer, (laughs) who's, you know, 24 and writing about all the things that I'm writing about, but she knows how to do reels and she knows how to do TikTok and she's got 2 million followers. And it's all based on stuff that she's reading from other people. And I'm not knocking any of those people there. They can be doing phenomenal work. But I would say that the space is very noisy finding ways to have an authentic and strong leadership voice in that has naturally happened for me. But as a woman internally, there's a lot of learning to not compare and despair or think, oh, you know, if I were younger now, I'd have this big fall you know what I mean? It's like, you just can't compare. No. So it's an interesting shift in the space in that at one, at one point, I was one of the only people doing it. And now everyone's talking about adaptogens or probiotics or you know, your period or whatever it is. So it's interesting.
1: But, you know, there's something uh, about this wisdom intelligence that is built into the aging process that, you know, yes, there are plenty of, you know, people out there that can espouse the latest and greatest theories and have a gazillion followers and, you know, are putting work out there. That are relying upon sources of others, but at the end of the day, being that that wise woman that has mm. all the history, you can't totally. buy that. I don't think that that is something that is a commodity that can be purchased. Yeah, and also, you
2: know, the bottom line is to me it's, it's so wonderful that this new way of thinking and being, especially among young women, especially among influencers, is actually making changes. Right, this generation who is super, super communications and internet savvy, not that we're not, obviously we are, we're here doing this too, but is really able to quickly leverage and shift thought. And I think the fact that women are now, especially young women, are really becoming more body literate, more sexually literate, more confident and more empowered in their voices. It really is a huge uh, moment of opportunity for women's empowerment, but also to change the way healthcare is practiced. And it also is of
1: its own form of public health.
2: It is. I deeply believe that. I deeply believe in the importance of what I call, and I didn't make this term up, but the citizen scientist. You know, the person who has period pain, has constipation, has pain with sex, goes to their doctor, or goes to five doctors, as the case may be, maybe for several years and keeps being told, Oh, that's normal because you're a woman. That's normal because you're a woman. And then one day she goes on the internet and she finds a chat room or a website or an Instagram feed that starts talking about endometriosis. And she's like, oh, that's what I have. And she feels normal, even if now she knows she has a condition, but she can do something about it. And to me, it's a huge act of public health that we need. And it's, you know, I, I hear a lot of criticism from you know, like the medical model, or you read in the New York Times, there's one particular doctor who loves to tear down goop, for example. And I say, (laughs) you know what, you know, nothing is perfect. But here's the reality is women are flocking to sites like goop, and others, because there is a huge gap in what conventional medicine has to offer. And those sites actually provide sometimes that aha moment that allows a woman to figure out what's really going on that the medical model isn't talking about.
1: Well, let's chat about that for a second. You yeah. know, in terms of of the current medical model, you know, integrative medicine aside, if you don't fall in, right, if you can't fall into a category, then you don't necessarily get treated.
2: Exactly. And some of the conditions that women experience, whether it is hypothyroidism, I mean, let's think about hypothyroidism. What are the symptoms? Some fatigue a little bit of depression, maybe a little anxiety, some weight gain, your hair's a little dry, you're a little constipated. I mean, anybody could have that at any time. And so what happens is a woman goes in with those symptoms and she's, you know, if if she even gets a word in edgewise, because most doctors interrupt after the first 90 seconds and most doctors have seven to 12 minutes for an appointment. So in that seven to 12 minutes after being interrupted at 90 seconds, she's supposed to say, I've got this, 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 and this going. And then the doctor says, well, that's pretty normal. You're probably just stressed or you've got young kids or you're working. So la, 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 you're fine. You're stressed. Do some meditation, get some more exercise and you're sent on your way. That's not an answer. And this is happening to women with so many conditions because a lot of these conditions, whether it's endometriosis or PCOS or Hashimoto's, if you're not taught to look for the subtle symptoms There's a really good chance you'll miss them, and I can tell you, in med school, we're not taught about women's health, which is on the lowest possible research agenda medically and public health wise. Also, so yeah, there's so much need for um, these conversations, but also for these individuals who have either overcome these conditions themselves and are now writing and sharing about it, or who are on the journey of learning about them for the work you're doing, sharing out the work of people like me who are are doing the work of trying to make a difference for women individually and change the system.
1: And when we talk about citizen science, I, I, I love that term, by the way. I have not heard that up until now, but I will be repeating it and giving credit to you. The citizen scientists out there, sometimes that's the only way we learn. I mean, I happen to have a Graves' disease. I mean, I manage it completely mm-hmm. nutritionally. I mean, I'm sharing it not because like I don't people don't necessarily want people knowing my business, but yeah. I I have this and I was given one set of criteria of how this is handled and that was that you know you remove the thyroid and replace it with synthetic thyroid hormone and that and you go live your life. Well, I'm not yeah. giving up my body parts so quickly.
2: Yeah, and there's a time and place for it. You know, <laughs> yeah. I've had patients who I've sent in for ablation or surgical thyroid. You know, thyroidectomy. But what happens with medicine is one, that's all we learn, right? We we jump from A to Z, like symptom is A, diagnosis is so we jump from B to Z. A is the symptoms, B is the diagnosis, and then Z, you're you're in surgery or getting medication. But where's the discussion about, oh, maybe we can try diet, or maybe there's some supplements. Supplements. Yes. Or maybe this has to do with celiac disease or something else. And, and none of that is woo woo. It's all, you know, it's not fringe. There's good science. It's just unfortunately that it's not the science we're taught in medical school too often.
1: And when we talk about um, inflammation as being Mm -hmm. the root of so many diseases, That, you know, I think the empowering part of what you have done in hormone intelligence, the complete guide, I have to give the whole title, hormone intelligence, the complete guide to calming hormone chaos and restoring your body's natural blueprint for well-being. When we're able to really focus on that inflammation, whether it's through diet, lifestyle, supplementation, whatever it is, we take control of our lives and our health.
2: Yeah, I think a lot of times too, we forget that it's not just, let's not just eat well because we have this symptom. But, you know, we know from studies that have been published in places like the New England Journal of Medicine, we're not talking about some fringe journal published in who knows where. Yeah. You know, in some little tiny country in the middle of, you know, in the middle of the ocean. We're talking about a substantial medical journal where the data is really clear that at least 90% of all chronic illness has nothing to do with genetics. It has to do with inflammation, diet, exercise, stress, and smoking. Those are the big five, you know, factors.
1: We are going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we are going to continue the conversation with Dr. Aviva Rom. We're talking about her newest book, Hormone Intelligence, The Complete Guide to Calming Hormone Chaos and Restoring Your Body's Natural Blueprint for Wellbeing. To learn more, please visit avivaram.com, on Twitter at avivaram on Facebook, Aviva Ram MD, and on Instagram, that handle is Dr. Aviva Rom. Here comes the pause. We'll be right back. And that is a guarantee. Hang on. Before we pause, I want to remind everyone how great it feels to be in control of our lives and how joyful good hair days make us feel. Thanks to Nutrafol, I'm focused on growing thicker, fuller, healthier, and happier hair from the inside out. Millions of Americans experience thinning hair. It's common, even normal, and not widely spoken about. Hair loss can be caused by several factors like styling tools, stress, lifestyle, genetics, hormonal shifts like menopause, and more. Control isn't given, it's taken. And that's why it's time to take control of your hair growth now. Now is the time to have lovelier locks and better well-being with Nutrafol. Start by visiting nutrafol.com to take their hair wellness quiz for customized product recommendations. Nutrafol is 100% drug-free, physician-formulated, potent, natural botanicals designed for a whole body health and hair as strong as you are. Nutrafol is natural and effective in reducing hair shedding and improving hair growth. In clinical studies, Nutrafol users experience thicker and stronger tresses in three to six months. of men saw more scalp coverage and 86% of women saw improved growth after six months of use. What I love most about Nutrafol is that in addition to beautiful hair, the ingredients help me get a handle on better sleep, stress response, skin, nails, and libido. Who wouldn't want that? Join me and thousands of others who are standing up for our strands with Nutrafol to help achieve hair growth naturally. You deserve hair as strong as you are. You can grow thicker and healthier hair, and support our show by going to Nutrafol.com and using promo code Happiness to save fifteen dollars off your first month subscription. This is their best offer available anywhere, and it's only available to U.S. customers for a limited time. Plus, free shipping on every order. Get fifteen dollars off at Nutrafol.com, spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L dot com promo code happiness for hair as strong as you are now let's take that break we'll be right back
0: to learn more about cultivating sustainable well-being at home and the office visit harvestinghappiness.com and explore lisa's experiential on-site brain fitness workshops corporate programming and speaking engagement services
1: And we're back. But before we get back to it, let's talk about the importance of self-care and clean living. When we take good care of our bodies, minds and spirits, we tend to be happier folks. When it comes to personal hygiene products, who's got time and energy to analyze every ingredient and some of the stuff you can't even pronounce? native cares about what we put on our bodies and that's why i've been a devotee of native personal care products for years best known for their aluminum free deodorant native wants to help you practice safe sweat that's why native keeps their ingredient list bare naked with coconut oil shea butter and baking soda i work out daily and love to sweat but what i don't love is the stink Truth be told, I'm a mega Schwitzer who is crazy about native deodorant. Native is all about stopping the stink the right way. That's the native difference. Native deodorant checks important performance boxes like 24-hour odor protection, naturally derived ingredients, a smooth residue-free application, and more than 10 heavenly scents to choose from. My personal go-to is sea salt and cedar. Be sure to also check out Native's partnership with Baked by Melissa, a limited edition collection that smells good enough to eat, created to make every day a little sweeter, inspired by the signature cupcake sensation. All Native products are thoughtfully formulated to make clean, simple, and effective personal care products. Go Native and elevate your self-care to the next level. Smell and feel fresh all day long with Native. Get 20% off your first order by going to nativedo.com slash harvesting or use promo code HARVESTING at checkout. That's nativedeo.com slash HARVESTING or use promo code HARVESTING at checkout for 20% off your first order. Now let's get back to it. And we're back continuing the conversation with my guest today, Dr. Aviva Ram. We're talking about women's wellness, taking charge of our health naturally. Let's get back to it. So Aviva, prior to the break, you had began to talk about a study and I'd love for you to pick up yes. where we left off.
2: So there was a study done, you know, just talking about this idea that it's not just about drugs and surgery, but that there are other factors that could, and you mentioned the psychosocial factors. There was this study called the InterHeart Study, and it's what's called a multi-center study. So data was gathered from many, many different health clinics, and it looked at the impact of loneliness Mm. on women's health. And the researchers, and there were something like 17,000 people in the study, and the researchers found that for women and it's probably true for men too but the study was on women that loneliness increased a risk of heart attack or stroke more than diabetes, cigarette smoking and obesity combined together. And you know what's powerful is the antidote is something that women have always known and done. It's what we're doing right here is gathering and connecting with each other and supporting each other and lifting each other up. And in that connection, we're actually creating hormones and chemicals that counteract the impact of stress and loneliness on our heart and our mind. And I think that's so beautiful and powerful.
1: I think so, too. And you mentioned something in our chat before we got going today. You you talked about spiritual medicine, and Mm. I don't think you meant it in the liturgical sense. I think you meant it in the soulful sense.
2: I did. You know, I think that one thing is that our hormones are chemical messengers. And we also know that they do some really powerful things. For example, estrogen in the middle of our menstrual cycles, so, you know, around ovulation, actually makes us more visually and emotionally aware of the facial and emotional gestures of other people. We know that oxytocin is a hormone that allows us to connect and have more empathy, but also more courage. There's some really deep and powerful inner knowing that I truly believe is part of hormone intelligence. I call her my inner wise woman because I like to anthropomorphize and then I can talk to her and listen to her. We can call her whatever we want, or maybe it's not a her for you. But tapping into the deeper wisdom of our hormones, our biology, our connection to the planet and life cycles is a part of healing that is, I mean, certainly if you have cancer, you may need chemotherapy or surgery. I'm not saying that it's instead of, but it's the part of medicine that conventional medicine has so sorely neglected. And, you know, hearkening back to loneliness, how many doctors ask their patients um are you lonely do you have family do you have friends are you connecting with other people especially right now with the pandemic how many people ask a person who's struggling with a post heart attack because we know that people after a heart attack who have someone to care for them and love them and support them in the first year are far less likely to die in that first year and far less likely to ever have another heart attack so where wow. are we looking at at the importance of these deep spiritual values and our connection to our planet that influences our health, our hormone health, and, and our kind of deeper core needs as women, which we're often so ta- taught to neglect, too.
1: What I'm hearing you say, in my view, is about the art in medical arts. You know, it's yes. it, you're putting back that sort of artful, creative, intuitive side in service to the healing. So it's treating the whole person, not just the condition and the symptoms.
2: Yes, I say the art of well-being and the science of being well.
1: That's how I think of it. Perfectly said. (laughs) Good doctor. Perfectly said. Thank you. (laughs) So let's talk a little bit about herbs and supplements and hormone replacement therapy because all of them have pros and cons, particularly if you don't know how to use any of them.
2: Yes. I mean, so... Herbs and supplements, the biggest risks with those are either taking too much of something because most of the herbs and supplements on the market, like the common ones out there aren't going to Kill you if you take a normal dose of them. But if, if you're taking, you know, obviously too much of something, even too much vitamin B6 can cause nerve problems, for example. I would say the even bigger risk, though, with herbs and supplements is just that if you use them instead of getting the medical treatment that you might actually need. But otherwise, I think herbs and supplements are just kind of an extension of food. They're a little bit like food 2.0 in that, you know, we eat our kale. We don't think of kale as an herb, but it is an herb. But if you were to take stinging nettles as a tea, it's got basically everything in it that kale has. And you can use nettles as a cooked vegetable. But when we start to concentrate it and then take it more medicinally, then it's a medicine. Similarly, I mean, our food has nutrients in it. And I'm such a huge proponent of getting everything we need from our food first and not having a supplement and certainly not having to take a lot of supplements but we know that our modern diets are often quite depleted in the nutrients we need even the foods themselves don't have the same nutrient quantities as our grandmothers an orange today doesn't have the same amount of vitamin C for example as an orange in 1950 it just doesn't and good studies have That's interesting. To that. Yeah. And also we just get really busy so how many women I mean I can't tell you how many women I see that skip meals on the regular or you know, have the coffee in the morning, and then by mid morning they're having the sugar crash, so they're having the Danish and don't get the you know the quality protein or fat or or micronutrients that they need. so there's a time and place for it's kind of like a daily multivitamin. a lot of women aren't getting enough vitamin D enough magnesium and then there are some really phenomenal studies showing that things like magnesium can help with sleep or calcium can help with even significant period pain or St. John's work can help with depression, or vitamin B6 can help with severe PMS symptoms. So there's good data out there. When it comes to hormone replacement therapy, you know I think that basically the most important thing is that a woman one understand the general risks and benefits understand what are not benefits because there's a lot of misinformation about what hormone replacement therapy can do. And a lot of that's been overblown. But then you also have to know your individual risks. So for example, I've seen women who have come to me from another functional or integrative doctor who put them on bioidentical hormones. And now the woman's coming to me because she's having horrible uterine bleeding and her doctor's telling her she might need a hysterectomy. And I'm like, "Um, have you tried coming off the estrogen? (laughs) And of course they say it in the kindest way. And I've had several women who have had just in the past few years, hysterectomies, they didn't end up needing that they didn't have the hysterectomy that was being recommended because they just came off of too much estrogen. And that was what was causing the, the bleeding. So I'm a fan of using what is best for you. If you can't sleep and you're miserable, progesterone orally can be a lifesaver. If you are having vaginal dryness and you're having to pee every two minutes because you have something called um, genitourinary syndrome of menopause, or you know you just can't have sex because it hurts too much because your vag is dry, then some topical estrogen can be like, it can feel like the fountain of youth or at least <laughs> like So, you know, I have no problem with women using those as long as their physician or they're doing the research themselves to know what the pros and cons are and also not staying on it forever because that's, that's really where the bigger risk comes to is even for women who are otherwise healthy and don't have risks. But you're just like, you know, you got put on it when you were 48 and you're still on it when you're 72.
1: Come on. There's no need. And that doesn't mean you're not having sex at that age. No, it doesn't.
2: In fact, you know what? It's really amazing. 20-year-olds are having less sex than they have historically in generations because they're on their devices so much at night instead of on each other. And then um, the uh, women over 50 are having the best sex of their lives because we know what we like. We know what we want. We know how to express it and ask for it. We know how to satisfy ourselves if we don't have someone to do it with. And when you're in a long-term relationship, too, all the research that's been pouring out over the past maybe decade has shown 50s, 60s, 70s, great sex. So something to look forward to and something that younger women can learn from us menopause hotties.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Literally- literally hotties, right? Like, yeah, I think so. The, literal he, hotties, is something <laughs> literal and figurative hotties yes, that, you know, yes. there is something to be said when you don't have to worry about unwanted pregnancy. You know, the kids are, yeah. have flown the coop, although they do boomerang back now and again, at least on yep. my side and yours. Totally. <laughs> but you know, it's on, I think for this phase of life. Yay. Yes, totally. <laughs> we are out of time. You my dear, I hope you'll come back and hang out with me. We got more conversations to have.
2: I would love that. That'd yeah. be really fun. Yeah. Thank you for having me and thank you for letting me talk about this um, book because I'm very, very excited about it. And But just even if nobody ever buys the book, just hearing the conversation and just being able to hear words like period and menopause and sex and just, you know, vagina and being able to just yeah. talk about it is so important.
1: To speak our truths.
2: <laughs> yes, yeah, so thank you.
1: Yes, thank you. The book we've been speaking about is Hormone Intelligence: The Complete Guide to Calming Hormone Chaos and Restoring Your Body's Natural Blueprint for Well Being. To learn more about Dr. Aviva Rom, please visit Avivarom.com on Twitter at avivaram on Facebook Aviva Rom MD and Instagram is Doctor Period Aviva Rom. Here comes the break. Just a little extra minute here. Before we break, I want to share the joys of my guilt-free playtime pleasure. When I've got a few minutes to spare, I love to amuse myself with Best Fiends, my favorite casual mobile game for grownups. Best Fiends is the best action-packed, brain-boosting puzzle game on the planet. Best Fiends is my go-to digital play pal, and I'm happily hooked. And if you're anything like me, you will be too. I love playing Best Fiends with friends in different cities. It's a way for us to connect, blow off some steam, and share some laughs. Not to brag or anything, but I'm charging full steam ahead towards level 6,810 and moving beyond The fun never ends at Best Fiends because there's always fresh content and new challenging adventures to conquer. I pinky swear you'll never be bored or run out of goals to achieve. Don't blame me if you end up kind of obsessed. Need a little digital distraction or some mindful mindlessness? Stress less and play more. Come join me and more than 100 million downloads for a mental pick-me-up. Download Best Fiends free today on the App Store or Google Play. That's friends without the R best fiends. Now, let's go take that break.
0: Did you know that happiness is actually good for your health? Happy people live longer, are more productive, and make better partners, parents, and professionals. Connect with us on Facebook at Harvesting Happiness, and follow Lisa on Twitter at Lisa Kamen for a daily dose of inspiration.
1: back continuing the conversation about women's wellness taking charge of our health naturally my next guest is dina falconi who is a clinical herbalist with a strong focus on food activism and nutritional healing an avid gardener wild crafter and permaculturist dina has been teaching classes about the use of herbs for food medicine and personal care including wild food foraging and cooking for more than 30 years. She offers online courses in the wild kitchen with Dina Falcone. She's also the author of foraging and feasting a field guide and wild food cookbook. And Dina is in the house. Welcome.
3: (laughs) Thank you, Lisa. Thank Uh, you for having me. Oh,
1: thanks. Thanks for agreeing to be on the show because we live near one another, but we've never met, but I'm a huge fan of what, you are doing and what you have created and what you're teaching. And I would love for you to share with our audience ways to grow food and herbs that can change the way we feel for the better.
3: Great. So just as a fun note, a lot of what I teach is we don't even have to grow it. It's already growing. And we learn, you know, we learn the plants that surround us and how to identify them and how to use them for food and medicine. So, and then we can also choose to grow them. But part of the fun, the Forging and feasting book that, you know, you mentioned is all about getting people outside to connect to their ecosystem, to learn the plants that grow near them, and then to identify them and use them ethnobotanically speaking for food, for medicine and so on. So that's just kind of to say that you don't have to garden even. All the good stuff is out there.
1: (laughs) I like that even better.
3: Yeah, it's kind of amazing. And yet, I am also a gardener because I do love to garden. But the gardens are very, very wild, and they include tons of the uh, wild plants that you're going to meet that are considered weeds. And a lot of those weeds are prime examples of potent food and medicine. So that's another really kind of mind, uh, how would you say, a shift in thinking when something looks like a weed and in fact, it's your food or medicine and more potent perhaps than something you would grow in the garden. So that, you know, that, that's a big part of what I, what I share with people is to get out there. And I will also add that getting outside into the elements is a big part of what I consider um, therapeutic, you know, being in the sun, being in the rain, being in the, in the snow and moving your body and gathering food and medicine directly from the mother is therapeutic in itself. You know, that act maybe more therapeutic even than what you put into your body, or both of them are are quite useful. So that's a whole other layer to just consider, you know, and and in the theme of how we can create um, health, it really has to do with a whole lifestyle approach. So I focus on food, I focus on herbs, but, you know, in my clinical practice, a big thing that we do is talk about the context of everything. You know, where is that person, how is that person living? Are they moving their bodies? Are they resting well? You know, are they exposed again to the elements, to the outside, to the cosmic forces? You know, can they see stars and things like that? That will really affect our hormonal health and our well-being in general. But so back to that more narrow question, or I shouldn't say narrow, but specific around food and medicine related to what you can grow or no, let's talk about what you can find out there. Yeah. You know, let's... let's yeah. <laughs> Tell <laughs>
1: Actually, me about the though. weeds I should be eating.
3: <laughs> exactly. But also, I want to... Before we even go into that, and this is a big thing too for clients who will call and say, you know, I have this health issue. Can you help me with it? And as a holistic practitioner, which is how I practice using food and herbs and lifestyle, I don't treat diseases ever. It's all about working with the whole system within the human being. So it's always working with the person in front of me and addressing their um, specific situation, not the disease. It's not a disease-focused practice. And so a big part, though, before you know, we go into even using any herbs is to talk about the food piece. And it doesn't have to be food that you're growing or gathering, which, of course, is also amazing. But the food piece from a broader perspective, which has to do with macronutrients so that's where you're talking about how much carbohydrate are you actually eating how much protein are you eating and this is all from whole food form this is not protein powders or isolates or anything <laughs> we're talking about you know whole natural foods and within that you know within that framework what amount of carbohydrate intake is going on what are you meeting your protein needs so those are pretty critical pieces right there because I've been a student of nutrition, you know, back in the East Village days since I was a little girl, actually, you know, and so that's 30 plus years ago, I, this nutrition focus really stayed with me. And I've come to feel that the premise for health, in the it, it, it has to do with nutrient density so that we're getting all the nutrient needs that we, you know, all the nutrient needs met from whole food form, but that we're also doing it in a way where we can keep our blood sugar stable.
0: That was Amen. never talked about.
3: Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that was never talked about, you know, and if I was to go to an herb conference and, and people are dealing with all sorts of blood sugar disorders, which lead to many, many things, no one talks about that chemistry. That simple blood sugar stability chemical, you know, activity in the body is the, 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 um, the foundation for health in all ways. So, you know, meaning hormonal health, mood, you know, insomnia, et cetera, just the things that are plaguing most of us can be addressed by keeping your blood sugar in a healthy range. So, yeah, you know that. You said oh, amen, you got it.
1: <laughs> yeah, and, well, and, it's keeping and, the engine yeah. tuned.
3: <laughs> exactly. And, and And the other piece to that is making sure that you're meeting your protein needs, again, from whole foods. So, what does that look like for? You know, each of us that's different depending on our sex, our age, our activity level, and so on. But it's usually a little bit higher than what most people are meeting. You know, really? what most people are eating. Yeah, I'd say for the average woman that's five foot five, she needs about seventy-five grams of protein a day. That's grams of protein. I, you know, that you would that you would deduce out or extract from the whole food that that we're eating. So it isn't. It's not two and a half ounces or whatever that adds up to three ounces of pure protein. That's not how we look at it. I hope this is making sense.
1: (laughs) Well, it is making sense. But like many of us are told that a serving of protein is a a small little hand-sized piece of meat. And what I think I'm hearing you suggest is it's beyond that.
3: Well, it depends how big your hand is and the density of that portion, but you could be not far off. You could, you could be where, you know, you're looking at a three ounce portion of an animal kingdom food that can include, you know, if one eats dairy, a good raw grass fed cheese. I mean, so you're looking at three ounces of a combination, you know, or a piece of, of, of grass fed beef or a piece of wild salmon, they can be three ounces. And in that you get 27, Uh, no, what is it? 21, about 21 grams of protein. So that's a guesstimate right there. But that's
1: not, that's not everything. We we have to do that three three, or four times.
3: Exactly. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yes. That's right. And so you were saying that that fistful or whatever would be the daily need,
1: no, 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 no. I'm saying no. that that's a, uh, considered a serving and that we need need mul- right. we need multiple servings of that in a exactly. day. Exactly.
3: And I right. bet you're right. So you're, We're
1: not getting enough based wait, on but that. You're
3: probably, you're, your comment is probably you're right. You're right on point. If you do that amount three or four times a day, you're going to be getting it. And so, you know, in the context, let's say of a client who comes in um, dealing with hormonal issues, since that's a, a bit of a Viva theme, um, we really want to, again, check that blood sugar stability question and Again, there's a number for that, which is about 125 grams of carbohydrate on average. That's a lot for some people, but probably most people shouldn't go over that. And if, you know, with a client, you can also assess that. And again, from whole foods and, you know, slow carb foods is is, is ideal. So you're not eating a lot of even raisins or dates or things like that, or even whole grains, which can be a lot of sugar at one time. Um, but so the point is you're keeping your carb level at a point where your blood sugar is not screaming up and down. That's one piece of it. And that alone could help somebody with heavy-duty menopausal issues or wacky thyroid issues because there's so many cascades that follow that instability. So if you take care of it and stabilize it, the adrenals are freed to do good things, you know, to take care of the other things that need to happen. So I hope that this is making sense. But so the carb level is right, and then let's say the client, too, the protein need needs to be met because if it isn't then they can't produce the appropriate enzymes and and all of the body um material is protein you know i mean it's mixed with some minerals and 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 vitamins and of course fat but the body is made of protein brain chemistry needs protein you know hormones need protein so Um, so that's kind of like, okay, from somebody comes to the office, they want to talk about herbs and I'm going to make them talk about food. You know, I'm going to go through their menus heavily to make sure that they're in that right zone for who they are, you know, and all the while, let's just not forget that we need to have all the uh, other micronutrients in the body and they're going to be met again with whole food form. And that's talking about all the minerals. It's talking about, you know the B vitamins and also the fat-soluble vitamins that we call activators. And they have to do with activating the body so that it can use the protein to synthesize tissue or, or create hormones or um, absorb minerals. So if we don't have a good amount of D in the body, or, yeah, primarily D at that point, or K2, we're not going to take in our minerals very well. So there's this whole story that unfolds that, of course, I'm really excited about. Um, and I try to (laughs) get that person across the table to get excited too. Um, It's
1: hugely exciting. We are going to need to go to a break in a minute. And before we do, I want to just touch upon the therapeutic properties of food and herbs that can't be replicated in pharmaceuticals, right? That the idea is that by, if we're eating well and paying attention, we can't be nourished from the drugs in the same way that we can be from this, this high quality food, the fuel.
3: You're absolutely right. Exactly. So somebody, a medication can be life-saving and can be really important, but health does not depend on it, meaning your well-being doesn't grow from that. But it can be helpful in creating, you know, I, I try to always be kind to the pharmaceuticals that really can save people and really help them. I do have a bias to say that mostly they're awful you know, and, and, they're, and they're more negative yeah. and they cause a lot of problems and they don't get to the core issue of helping the human body find its own dynamic homeostasis. In fact, they're usually repressive. And so they end up causing more problems down the line, but they're sometimes they're very appropriate. So I don't want to downplay their importance, but they don't have to do with health. They have to do with remediating something. And then in a sense it is health. So I shouldn't say that either, but they don't have to do with creating naturally occurring homeostatic health. They have to do with preventing, you know, something well, like for an apno-medicine. Yeah, I exactly. Mean, you might need it for yeah. triage.
1: You've got exactly. dangerously high blood pressure and you need to lower it quickly or you are having Asthma. a heart attack and you need yeah, to, exactly. you know, these these medications can and do save lives, but they're not a substitute for the self-care, right? That, that That's what I think I'm hearing you say.
3: Absolutely. I call the, the self-care piece is, we feed our bodies so that it can take care of us, so yes. that it has the capacity to heal and to balance and to help us ride our waves of, of stress, of trauma, ride our waves of excitement, whatever it is, we have the ability to live a full life if we feed our organism well. <laughs> you know, so, and, and that feeding the organism well is the art and, and, and the science you know, of this nutrition piece And it's ever evolving and it's not a static thing.
1: Let's take our break and then we'll come back and we'll continue the conversation with Dina Falcone. We're talking about her book, Foraging and Feasting a Field Guide and Wild Food Cookbook. She also delivers online classes in the wild kitchen with Dina Falcone. To learn more, please visit www.inthewild.kitchen and botanicalarts.com press.com on Facebook. You can find her at foraging and feasting. And on Instagram, you can also find her at foraging and feasting. And you can also check her out on YouTube at Dina Falcone. Here comes the pause. We'll be right back. And that is a promise.
0: Who says money can't buy happiness, whether you are a skeptic or seeker, check out Lisa's new book. Are we happy yet? Eight keys to unlocking a joyful life. A boot camp manual for greater emotional fitness is available at Barnes and Noble, Amazon, IndieBound and HarvestingHappiness.com Here's a truth bomb Emotions are contagious and happiness is a universally desired state but we tend to forget that we all have the freedom to be happy or the liberty to be miserable each day, regardless of external circumstances Explore the journey of human happiness How to find it and keep it with Lisa's documentary film H-Factor Where is your heart? Visit HarvestingHappiness.com to learn more. Yeah,
1: yeah. What is, what is your happiness? Yeah. And we're back. Continuing the conversation today, we're talking about women's wellness taking charge of our health naturally. Let's get back to the conversation with my guest today, Dina Falcone. Prior to the break, we were talking really about creating a solid base with the foods that we eat and how we take care of our mind, body, and spirit with nutrition. But I want to turn the conversation a little bit to the book, Foraging and Feasting, and it's how we use the foods and herbs that we find out in the world, how it can help us normalize our chemistry and just be generally more healthy.
3: Yes, if we can just recap quickly that we're stabilizing our blood sugar and we're eating the protein that we need, the book foraging and feasting can be used to help you get out there and meet the wild plants that then you can incorporate into your menu. So the cookbook, part of it is really a celebration of whole foods, nutritious, nutrient-dense whole foods, and it taps the wild plants that are outside and you integrate them into your recipes. I would say that when you're talking about health and well being the foundational piece is that blood chemistry. When we talk about foraging and feasting, we're talking about players that can be used within that framework or in that mindset. So, you know, if it's, if it's nettle time, you can go out there and meet nettle. And in our, in the book, foraging and feasting, we really detail how you ID the plant. That's super important. And then you can incorporate nettle into your menu in so many different ways Nettle, what does nettle offer? I mean, it's super nutrient dense, um, got you know a lot of iron, a lot of different kinds of minerals. Um, what else about it? It is also warming. So for a lot of women who are dealing with a lot of chill or low metabolic function, nettle could be really appropriate. It is a food, so you can just consume it like a potent leafy green, like a more nutritious mm. kale. Yeah, but the thing about nettle, is it has plant chemistry that is quite fiery, which is a benefit and potentially problematic. So the wild plants have a lot more personality than our cultivated plants. And the book is about introducing you to those plants, to getting to know those qualities, to incorporating the nettle into your life and into your menu and understanding, you know, how it makes you feel. Is it appropriate for you? So this is where, again, there's not a one herb for all. You know, nettle would be good for somebody who has uh, poor circulation, who, who needs to increase blood flow, who's maybe anemic. But let's also just add that nettle alone won't do it if they don't have the fat soluble activators to absorb the minerals. So it's that the weaving of the tapestry. So you're you're not just using an herb. The herb is part of a much bigger weaving that helps you to support your health. But I'm a big nettle fan. <laughs>
1: Clearly. Let's talk about some other common herbs or greens that we would find, not necessarily in the Northeast, but maybe other parts of the country that are common, that we we go out our door and we see them and we should entertain them in our diet because fill in the blank.
3: Sure. So there's one super common one that's all over the world dandelion.
1: Yeah. I knew you were going to say that.
3: (laughs) Okay. But just let's, let's highlight the dandelion beauty and also other herbs like dandelion. Um, This everyone has access to, so everyone can dig up the roots. They can eat the leaves. They can eat it all year long, except actually not here in in the Northeast when the, the snow comes and it's hidden, but otherwise we can eat it all year. And what does it have? And it has bitter principles as well as nutrient density, as well as you know, a high vitamin and mineral content, but it has this bitterness that stimulates digestive function. And a lot of us are dealing with digestive health issues. So some situations, dandelion would be really appropriate and it will help invigorate digestive function. So it'll help the liver also to function well. When you do that, what do you do? You help a million things, you know, (laughs) it's like if you can (laughs) take care of digestion and you can take care of liver, you're taking care of so many metabolic functions. So the beauty of dandelion is that again, it's something that in, in the category of alternative that alters the body into a healthier state gently, so you're tapping deep organ system shift by consuming this really common prolific weed on a daily basis, depending on your constitution again, again, we have to consider that, um, but I'm sort of speaking generally right now. And so you could be taking that dandelion into your body either as a you know minced up leaves. Uh, as an aperitif salad to prime your gut to, to re- receive the nutrients of the rest of your meal. Um, or you can also use the root. You can tincture it. So it can be made into food very much, but it c- it also really moves into the herbal apothecary. And the dandelion is just a gift. It's a super serious gift. So many of us have liver issues. The dandelion is is really an important plant for us to heal, I think, in so many situations.
1: Are there any other plants that are, you know, around the world sort of on par with the dandelion that people could be on the lookout for?
3: Other ones could be burdock even, but that would be the root primarily. Chickweed is also a pretty amazing herb. It has a whole different personality. It's more cooling, it's nutritive, it's soothing. Um, And that's really something that I feel like is a really potent nutrient-dense leafy green that you want to eat. Through its growing, you know, through through the seasons that it's here with us, which in the Northeast is spring and fall, but in other parts of the world it could be there. You know, it's a very prolific worldwide weed. Another one that we have here and other areas of the world might have, but different species is the violet, the violas. They are really powerful foods with a high nutrient density that also have what are called called anti-neoplastic qualities. So that is a big fancy word for like saying, keeping cancer down or at bay, you know, so it's really, it's a pretty impressive, um, chemistry that, that humble, we step on this plant, How, you know, <laughs> <it's> <laughs> like, but, um, trying to think of other ones quickly off the top of my head, but those we have chickweed, violet, dandelion, burdock, nettle. I mean, those are pretty ubiquitous super useful for so many different situations because you were asking a bit about I think you were asking it about hormone health I can't remember but um
1: yes oh, we're we're yeah. always worried about hormone health over here or, oh
3: hormone health right and that's what <laughs> right me too because the hormone health follows the blood sugar stability piece but also once you've got the lifestyle and the sleep piece in order which really is key to hormone health um we want to also talk about the adaptogens and they're not in the foraging and feasting book. Exactly. Um, this is a category of herb, although one, no, yeah, I'm pushing it. If I would say that burdock is an adaptogen, but anyway, the adaptogens are this category of herb that has to do with adrenal support and that, and, and so, uh, Tulsi is an example, or ashwagandha or a or catonopsis, or even a little licorice root, not talking about the licorice candy. But all of what these do is they help the adrenals to handle stress, and oh. when that happens, yep, that then that allows the adrenals to get basically get off the hook on the on the stress part and deal with other hormone health issues, right? So we can we can use all the juices that would have gone to stabilizing uh, the stress within the adrenals, and it goes to hormone health, female, you know, sex health or thyroid health, um, yeah. So oh, we're for we're yeah. for
1: all of that, and I know you're not suggesting uh, ashwagandha in a gummy. <laughs> That's
3: a- no, why? Where's that available? <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, they have They have them. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. You're,
3: well, you're not- I'm really low. Yeah, I could say that one thing you want another thing. So the opposite of adaptogens are uh, concentrated sugars. So by consuming a lot of concentrated sugar, so gummies would be in that category are going to do the opposite of what we're trying to do with adaptogens, which is to stabilize adrenal health. When you eat a lot of concentrated sugars, you cause the roller coaster to occur and then the adrenals get burdened with that issue. So, um, you know, and so does caffeine, unfortunately, right? Everybody's all caffeinated, but the reality is caffeine is the, the opposite of an adaptogen as well, in my opinion. Um, so we're, we're, we're a culture of, of high carb caffeine consuming. And so then the adrenals and the hormones and everything just, you know, drops out and, and the body is pretty wasted. And so we need to restructure, rebuild that, you know, and and that happens through nutrition, in my opinion. Plus the good deep, restful sleep, good exercise, you know, healthy emotional state, all of, all of that plays maybe even more, right? Yeah. Healthy emotions and so- good sleep might be better than more important than a diet or an herb.
1: And definitely being out in nature. I, I agree with you that being outside is, is so healing, you know, the, like the sun, the moon, the stars, the earth, the, you know, all of it. It all matters.
3: Thanks for bringing that up. And that's exactly part of Forging and Feasting's theme is to get people to fall in love with the plants that are all around them because we feature ubiquitous weeds of the world. So you can get out there, tune into the plant kingdom and connect to nature. And that reset is super powerful. Again, you know, more, not more than, but maybe more than, you know, shifting what you're having for lunch.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Dina Falcone, thanks for joining me. I, I so appreciate you spending time and, and, and bringing the living green world to our, our dinner tables. To learn more, please visit in uh, inthewild.kitchen and botanicalartspress.com. And actually, it's at in the wild. dot Is it in the wild. dot kitchen or in the wild. dot kitchen. dot com?
3: It's in the wild. dot kitchen.
1: Okay. Yeah. There's no dot. No. dot com. In, no there, dot com, so in the, the wild. No. dot kitchen and botanicalartspress. dot com to connect on Facebook. It's foraging and feasting on Instagram. Foraging and feasting, and on YouTube, you can find Dina Falconi there under Dina Falconi, and the classes she offers are in the wild with Dina Falconi book we've been speaking about is foraging and feasting a field guide and wild food cookbook come back and hang out and talk more with me about this i'm fascinated thanks for joining us on today's episode of harvesting happiness this is lisa cypress cayman and on behalf of my guests dr aviva ram and dina falcone wishing you kind thoughts kinder words and the kindest of actions until next time remember happiness is an inside job Happiness is your inside job. Please go out and rock your day and remember to be kind to one another.
0: Keep harvesting your own happiness anytime and anywhere from the comfort of wherever you are. Subscribe, listen, and share hundreds of downloadable episodes via our free app or from our libraries at toginet.com, iTunes, Google Play, and other fine podcast platforms. To learn more about Lisa's global consulting services, please visit HarvestingHappiness.com. Spread more joy by liking us on Facebook at Harvesting Happiness and following Lisa on Twitter at Lisa Kamen. Harvesting Happiness is produced in collaboration with Toginet Radio, KBUU Radio Malibu.net, and is available on PRX, the public radio exchange.